Sup, you've reached Clarissa, I'm out somewhere being da bomb and can't answer. My bad. <laughs> Leave me your name number and a sweet message and I'll hit you up later. Peace. Hey, it's Amelia. And Sherrick. You told us to call, let you know what we're doing. We're, we get your voicemail almost every week at this point. Oh, well, I guess we'll leave you a message about what we're up to and our pop culture thoughts of the week, and hopefully we'll hear back from you soon. It's almost like we have a podcast about a study that finds no acceptable place to clip your toenails. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty be, true. You could, be, you could be in your room by yourself with the door locked, and you just clip one nail, and all of a sudden the door opens, and your partner is just like, Ew, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> The lights out and everything. You still oh, get damn. caught. You still get caught red <laughs> or red toad, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> that has not happened to me. No, it hasn't. <laughs> it it and it hasn't happened to me, but that's mostly because I play my green tambourine. <laughs> oh, uh, just just rolling all the fucking non sequitur bits in today. Yep. I was explaining Amelia the 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 song Green Tambourine by the Lemon Pipers before we fully hit record. So that's that. That's where that bit comes from. Anyway, this is a voicemail that we're leaving you because you wanted us to check in every week and we talk about things that we find enjoyable, and then we also tell you how things are going. Like Amelia, how was your week? It was, for good. example. <laughs> It was good. Yeah, I was traveling all week, um, which is why I missed the last episode. Voicemail, whatever. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I I was at a coaching retreat for a few days, and then I took a little road trip by myself. And yeah, it was it was fun. It was hot as fuck, and. That made it less fun. <laughs> I bet. And I, I kept going farther south. So that was smart. <laughs> so the last couple of days of the trip, I was in northern Florida and the heat index was 103. Oof. Yeah. <sighs> and in fact, I was like, okay, so once the sun sets, then it'll, it'll get cooler, right? Mm -hmm. No. No, the heat index was 95. From the time the sun set until I went to bed at 1030. So, yeah, it was hot. <laughs> I mean, it's that fucking pesky ass equator. I'm equator. I'm sure like there's some fucking congressman that's going to be like, we should abolish the equator because it's too hot. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's how that works. Listen, I, you and I both know that that is not how that works. But with the amount of like with our fucking government representation oh, yeah, no. in the year of our Lord, you can't tell me that's not a feasible thing that I just said that some oh, motherfucking no, idiot's going to be like, OK, a fucking, <laughs> I, I, I just want to be who... clear that I know that that's a joke, but there's dumb motherfuckers around no, that no, are going to no, be like, no. that's, yeah, no, we should do that. Congressman, I don't remember which one <laughs> brought snow into Congress to talk about how climate change wasn't real. So. Like, you know what? I Ooh. I would not I would not put it past them. <laughs> so I brought. Hey, we're in, we're we're in we're in Florida, right? And you know, I, I just to prove something, I brought snow in, and uh, by the time that I arrived, it it's it's melted because I you know I just brought it in with my hands and shit. So um, what's what's up? <laughs> what's up with that? Huh? <laughs> what's up with that? 
What's up with that? Sorry. <laughs> we are all over the place today. I'm mm-hmm. very tired from my travels, I guess. I don't know. I also went from 100 degree weather to 60 degree weather. So I think my body is a little bit like in shock. Yeah. <laughs> That's both so, funny and not at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad because like, like I said, that's the main takeaway from my trip is that it was so hot and that like maybe that wasn't the best time to be in Georgia and Florida. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't my choice for the retreat to be in South Carolina in early September, but I maybe, um, yeah, I maybe should have thought twice about traveling after that. No, it was really good though. It was, it was good. I got to cross some things off my bucket list I I guess I don't know um I've always wanted to go to Amelia Island in Florida mm-hmm. and can I can I just pop something in here real quick because yeah. I was curious I went and to see if there was a Sherrick Island because mm-hmm. you know that I was like that would be kind of cool to visit mm-hmm. uh and the first thing that pops up is Shenick Island which is in Ireland which I was like close but no cigar but then yeah. if I if you scroll down then there's pictures of me and DeMonte in the island <laughs> 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 and I thought that was real funny. That's perfect. I didn't think of that, but that makes total sense. <laughs> yeah, because I heard your break podcast, and it, it, I loved it because it was like, "Well, Amelia's on Amelia Island," and it's like, "No, no, that's literally true." But the yeah. it sounds like I'm like in La La Land or something. <laughs> no, it was super weird to be in a place with my name everywhere because. Mm-hmm. Not that my name's uncommon, but it, it's more common than it used to be. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, it just, it was interesting to just like hear it a lot mm-hmm. and be like, what? So, so yeah, that was really cool. I went on a boat tour there and uh, got to see dolphins and wild horses and lots of birds. So on that tour and got to learn about the history of that area, it's Mm -hmm. right on the border. So on the boat, we kept going between Florida and Georgia waters. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, that was really fun. And um, the beaches are really nice there. Yeah. What I learned is that that island is the same size as Manhattan, which was just like crazy to think about like because I drove like from one end of the island to the other the short way and I was like this is how wide Manhattan is there's no Hmm. way you could drive it in you know 10 minutes (laughs) well I mean like in with with New York streets and such I suppose like yeah right so yeah just thinking about how like the millions of people on Manhattan and the like tens of people on this no I don't I don't know what the population is but it's not huge so that was very resorty and then yeah before that I was in Savannah for a couple of days and I had forgotten or hadn't really considered the fact that like Georgia is is was one of the original colonies of the U.S. and so like things were a lot older in Savannah than I thought they would be like I thought it would be all like Civil War era kind of stuff, and that okay. was 
definitely part of it. But there was a lot of stuff from like the early colonial days too. And so it just like had a different feel than I was expecting. But yeah, I don't know. It was, it was interesting. They're, they have a big college of art. And so that takes up a lot of space. There's just like a lot of buildings for that campus um, everywhere. And it makes things kind of, that part of town is really cool because of all the art and design and students and stuff like that. So yeah, it was just, it was cool. Trying to think of what else. Yeah. And the retreat, I know I'm going backwards, but the retreat was really, really good. It was nice to meet all these people that I had been talking with for the last like year teachers Mm -hmm. and other students and just being able to commiserate and brainstorm together and support each other and encourage each other and it was just yeah it was just really nice and it's just different in person than it is virtually I feel like if you already know somebody talking to them virtually is like not that can be not that different but if you've Mm. never met somebody in person like, it's just a totally different thing <laughs> to meet them in person. Yeah. We just kept walking around going like, oh, my God, you have legs. <laughs> it's so surreal. But it was really cool, too. And yeah. Yeah. It was just, that was probably my favorite part of the whole week, actually, was the retreat. So yeah, that's that great. Was, that was my week. How was your week? It wasn't as adventurous. Uh, if, uh you know but that's not a bad thing you know no it's not having some mental realizations with my therapist was a good time and i don't mean that sarcastically like i i do i mean it sincerely like it was really nice to get some mental clarity in certain places and to just be able to just like have somebody be like yo here's what you're thinking and here's what this means the one thing that i i I will say like uh, further about that is that i found out that Steph thought I was an Enneagram nine. I thought I, me and my therapist thought I was a six. And then I retook the test on some random website and it told me I was a two. So basically no one knows what the fuck I am. <laughs> Cause I told my therapist I was a nine and she was like, I don't see it a whole no, lot. I, we, I thought that at one point, but that was a long time ago. And then I was like, no, I don't think so. So I'm going to retake it. I can it. see two, but not the same way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Two makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. So ba- basically, I'm going to retake it and see. But like for a long time, I think my my therapist and I operated on the idea that I was a six. And then I said that to Steph one day and she's like, you can't be a six. I'm a six. And I was like, uh, I guess I'll retake it, I guess. I mean, so. that's the thing is it's not like everybody who's the same is the same you know what yeah. i mean like yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly because so like there's wings like, and blah 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 yeah. i'm that is like well no hey yeah, i'm just but... i was just repeating the sentence no, uh I but i i hear you on that but yeah so that that was a good time i'm you know i'm really uh getting into to using my bike and that's a good time oh good i'm really enjoying it steph wants to use it start using it and i'm like great because hopefully then she can get one and then we can you know do stuff together that would be cool i mean they're expensive don't get me wrong but like i don't know it feels like because it's because fall is coming up this is kind of like probably the the best time to consider buying an e-bike because mm-hmm. they tend to do sales on them but you know uh it i don't know uh, it's it's i find it like at first i was like well i mean part of the whole thing was obviously to 
for, for health purposes, right? Like mm-hmm. riding your bike is something that you can do for your health and, and it's good for you. But also I was like, well, it's to me, it's still a benefit, even if I like only use the throttle, like like part part of the way, because I'm like, even then I'm using something that is powered electrically and not using my gas like powered vehicle. Mm-hmm. So like that's still a good thing you know like i i have to kind of just like frame that as like because mm-hmm. b- i'll be honest with you uh, not riding a bike for uh, over a decade and then riding a bike again is hard like it's really n- hard the the like phrase like it's just like riding a bicycle is fucking bullshit because like every time i've tried to ride a bike as an adult has been long enough from the time that i last did it that i'm like mm-hmm. i don't know how to fucking do it it's the balance. The balance is the hardest part for me. <laughs> so like for me, like the the when I say that, I guess I mean, like, I remember, you know, which one is the front brake and which one is the back brake and how to turn and everything. Mm-hmm. I just mean like my legs are like, this is hard. You know what I mean? Like the mm-hmm. the prospect of pedaling, pushing forward is the difficult part for me mm-hmm. because my like that leg still like I have pr- I have good leg strength, I think, but just not in like that kind of prolonged yeah. kind of way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, I find myself using the bike like the 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 assist and the and the throttle a, a fair amount on my rides and i'm like well there's no shame in that i'm still i'm still riding a bike and getting out and getting fresh air and i'm mm-hmm. wearing a helmet because like i've had several people be like i'm gonna be a mom and ask you if you're wearing a helmet and i'm like it's li- like outside of the bicycle it was literally the first thing i purchased like <laughs> of course of course because, because you're like, also the hmm. mom friend who asks those kinds of questions <laughs> You're not which necessarily why, wrong. Which is why you and your therapist thought you were a six. Anyway, continue. <laughs> uh, I was like, it was like in this order, it was the bike, the helmet, and the lock to lock it up. Like, mm-hmm. you know, those are the things that I purchased basically in that order. And I'm still looking like for a better lock, if you will, to to get with the bike that I currently have. But that's neither here nor there. Point being is that like I'm getting over that and I find that I'm like, like I was saying to you when i was going to purchase it it's like i find that i'm like exploring the neighborhood a bit like i went i went on like an hour plus long bike ride last weekend just just like places that i've driven like around before to get places i was just riding my bike just to do it you know so like Mm -hmm. and the aventon app which spoiler that's the kind of bike that i bought Mm. if you have it connected because you can have it connected will basically keep track of your route and show and like keep track of it in the app so you can look back and go this is how much i traveled you know the last time that i like went out and i just think that that's really cool to do so and i'm just uh, it's the, the the funniest thing about it for me though is that like because one of the perpetual seasons in in the midwest is construction season like <laughs> yeah there's there's good sh- stretches of road where I'm like, well, I am riding on the sidewalk because I don't feel safe riding in the road because there's like this much space between me and a potential car trying to pass. But like 
I will say that I think that people in Wisconsin generally are very respectful of people on bikes. Like I've never, I haven't gotten honked at. No one's been like a dick about like passing me or anything, you know, but like, I know like the whole thing is like, Oh, it's illegal to ride your bike on the sidewalk. And it's like, well, fuck off, dude. Like there's no, there's, there's no road. Like you're constantly, Mm -hmm. you're constantly Mm -hmm. like ripping up the road. There's nowhere for me to be. So I'm the sidewalk. It is. Plus there's nobody on the fucking sidewalk. So like, Mm -hmm. it's fine. But yeah, so that's that's kind of oh, and we're creeping ever closer to me as uh, starting rehearsal. So that's cool. Yeah, I will. It will not have started by the time you're hearing this, unless you're here. Uh, if you're hearing this on the day that it came out, mm-hmm. but it's getting pretty close, and I'm very excited yeah. to be doing theater again. So there's that. But yeah, so we talked for a good chunk of time. So let's uh, tell you about what we're doing today. Yee, we're talking about animorphs. We're back Yay! at the animorphs. By the way, shout out to our good friend, Joe, who has been keeping me abreast of like, he basically told me like a month or two ago, he was like, so I'm, I'm starting your podcast over from the beginning. And I was just like, oh, really? Like you're going flat, flat episode number one on. That's going to be an interesting quality shift, I think. Not to say that we were like bad quality in the beginning, but I think that we have gone leaps and bounds since then, honestly. I mean, yeah, but yeah so I, I just saw this, this Instagram post that was something like your first video is is going to be terrible your first blank is going to be terrible your first like whatever mm-hmm. but like your hundredth one will be better just because you kept going right but you can't get to 100 if you don't start at one or exactly. whatever and i was like yeah totally but part of me is like mm, i wonder how much better it's going <laughs> But like that was like essentially the impetus for the podcast in the first place is that we were like, we should do something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, we're never going to like do it unless we just fucking just do it. So let's mm-hmm. throw it out there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we're talking about Animorphs today. We're probably just going to cover 31 and 32. But if we're feeling spunky, we might throw 33 in there. You'll know by the time this comes out because it'll be in the it'll be in the show notes and in the title, more or yeah. less. So I'm real excited for these two because i think they're kind of emotional roller coasters a little bit one one in kind of a uh, i guess like in a more normal sense and one in a like what i'm going to coin officially as animorphs fuckery which we'll get to so the first one is called the the conspiracy it was written in uh, or was published in july of 1999 and we're gonna party like it's Jake is the narrator. I just did a dance as if you could yeah. see me rather than saying 1999. <laughs> just a million episodes in and I still act <laughs> like you can see me. That was so good. So, yeah. So this one, is, like I said, is the conspiracy. Let me get you some facts. Okay. So it is ghostwritten by Laura Bat- Batanyani Weiss. On, on direction of a plot summary by K.A. Applegate. And like I said, it was published in, actually it was published in June, 1999. My mistake. The the other thing that I had has it incorrect. And like I said, it does have Jake as narrator. The cover is Jake with his kind of like split side, almost side bang kind of thing. Like, like his, the bang on his left side is like just kind of covering his eye. Like he's some sort of like prepubescent, like Jessica rabbit, but like not really. (laughs) Uh, And he's turning into a peregrine falcon. So 
this is a pretty hard book for Jake to have. And, and, and just as reference for you, this is Jake who has been basically who is who is like a is barely a teenager for one. And this is the same Jake who, you know, had to uh, make countless warlike decisions as a 13 year old, including like how he could communicate to his friends that he was infested by this alien parasite and what to do with the fact that his best friend Marco's mother is one of the alien parasites, like top ranking officials and like, you know, other shit. So, yeah, you know, normal 13 year old stuff. Yeah, we we come out hot out the gate with Jake returning home to see his mother getting into a taxi and she is a mess. Like she is full on crying. She's incredibly heartbroken. And you find out very quickly that her father, Jake's grandpa G, just the letter G is what they use for him, Mm -hmm. has passed away. And he's he lives in a remote cabin in the woods to and they're basically going up to that cabin to prepare for the funeral. If you remember, one of Jake's family confirmed is a uh, is a controller. Yes. Okay. His brother Tom. Mm-hmm. So put the pieces together. They're gonna be gone for four days. Mm-hmm. That's past the Yerk limit. By a day. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who uh, don't remember or would love a refresher, Yerks can only remain in their host for three days at a time before they have to be removed temporarily to soak in their nutrition, which is uh, what's called Kangrona. The Yerks are, have, te- have found uh, solutions to that, but it also uh, with severe drawbacks, you know, like like essentially insanity uh so like Mm -hmm. probably not willing to to take that as a as a temporary bet on this one so uh basically what you need to know is that tom is tom as the controller the yerk in tom's head is like this this is bad this is very very bad i can't survive that long so tom is like i i'm cool i'm not gonna go and his parents are like the fuck you mean yeah (laughs) so basically jake kind of sees this conversation go down where tom is like very much like i'm i'm not going i don't want to go i didn't know him that well anyway blah 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 Mm -hmm. and jake's dad is like no motherfucker you don't understand you're going on this trip like there's Mm -hmm. no discussion here so Jake is distracted, and when he has a conversation with Marco about this later, Marco is like, yo, you fucked up. And Jake is like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you should not have left your brother and your dad alone, because now Tom is probably going to figure out some drastic measures on how not to go on this trip. And Jake is like, oh, fuck. Because, like... Mm -hmm. I mean, he could kill Jake's dad. He could infest Jake's dad. He could like there's there's a a very short but very severe list of things Mm -hmm. that could happen on this. Mm -hmm. So Jake returns home and finds that both Tom and his dad are gone. But there is a crumpled note that's in the trash. And Jake surmises that Tom threw the note away to cover his tracks. And Jake reads the note and it says that he that his dad and Tom are going to the sharing so that he can explain why Tom will need to be away. And again, the sharing is a Yerk front. It's like the one of the best ways that the Yerks have, at least in this particular part of the U.S., to basically turn more humans into human controllers. Mm-hmm. So Jake and Marco are like, oh, like, 
best case scenario, Jake's dad is coming out of this a controller. Like best case, yeah. unless they do something. Mm-hmm. So Jake is panicking, obviously, because he's like, number one, I guess he has he has some semblance of confirmation that his dad is not a Yerk controller, mm-hmm. but that could very quickly change. Yeah. And number two, he's like, they could kill my dad. Like they could kill him. So he basically asks some of his chi friends like Eric uh, and, and company to help track them down. And Marco's like, yo, we got to use a payphone So we're not tracked. Like we, we got to use a payphone So they don't know where we're calling from. So they do that. And then Tom uh, answers the, uh, he, basically they called Jake's uh, dad's cell phone. And Tom answers it and Jake almost says something. And Tom is like, sorry, Marco is like, give me that fucking phone, you idiot. You almost just gave yourself away. Like, (laughs) and basically Tom is obviously suspicious that like someone's calling his dad's phone and just being weird. But it does, it does happen fast enough that the Chi are able to track where they're at. So they, Jake and Marco morph birds to, get there they go to the mini mall and they see his dad's car in the lot and jake is immediately like we gotta fucking fight so he starts to morph target tiger and marco's like are you are are you actually stupid like what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) and he's like we can't barge in because it'll show that the quote-unquote andalite bandits because remember the majority of the yurks like well actually i'll say all of the yurks for purpose of this believe that they're andalites that are basically trying to stop them from invading earth earth. And he's like, we can't make them think that the Andalite bandits that they think we are, are concerned about this one random dude getting a yerk. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, he's like, we got, we have to figure this out. So Marco instead morphs gorilla and he just starts setting off car alarms and he punches Jake's dad's car. And then he finds, uh, uh, Vice Principal Chapman's car and he punches that for fun. He's like, this is, <laughs> this is just for me because fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> and so Tom and Jake's dad and Chapman and a few other controllers come out and basically Jake uh, realizes Marco's brilliance because this is like a good litmus test and that Tom mm-hmm. is like, we need, we should go back in and Jake's dad is like, no, my fucking car just got like punched. Like we have to take care of this. So like, it's clear that like his motivations are his own and he's not like, oh yes, that is a good idea. You know, like, so they've basically kind of mildly thwarted uh, Tom's plans on that. Um, so they, they basically recoup at the barn and at Cassie's barn and they tr- dis- discuss what happened. Rachel's upset because she didn't get to go in on this and she's upset that Jake and Marco went by themselves. Tobias is is like, uh, oh, I don't understand good family dynamics because I didn't have that. So, like, I don't know what the, mm-hmm. the deal is on this. Mm-hmm. And the whole group is like, there's no larger fight going on here because it's a terrible, terrible position for Jake to be in. And they all conclude that, like, there's a pretty good chance, like I said earlier, that Jake's dad could end up dead out of as a result of this because it just would be like... Uh, a way out of the the situation that like you know would benefit him the best if Jake's dad is dead like which like I think is kind of short sighted because it just causes more harm than good obviously mm-hmm. for their for their co uh, their their covert operations but whatever so the next day Jake morphs a roach and follows his dad to work hitching a ride on on his pants leg 
at a doctor's office, Tobias spots an angry looking guy lurking around the en- the entrance, but nothing else really happens. Then they, uh, I guess, basically at, at the end of the day, I believe it's implied. Uh, I, I, I don't remember this, but I think maybe that's what is implied is that Jake's dad works at a doctor's office, which is why they're there. So Tobias is kind of like surveillancing and they see the angry guy kind of still. But Jake freezes because he doesn't know what to do. He's like, uh, he's like, obviously just like very distracted, doesn't really know what to do. So he's like, we're just going to go with a gro We're just going to gross people out. So Jake partially demorphs mm-hmm. and runs up the guy's body and perches in his hair. And Tobias like comes down and like swoops down. And basically they pull this man's toupee all the way off. <laughs> <laughs> so Jake realizes after this happens that because of his like inability to like make a good decision in the moment, basically because he froze that they made the wrong, the wrong call. And we're like, well, we're exposing weird animal behavior that Yerks could see and go, that could be the Andalite bandits. Like, mm-hmm. you know, is apparently as, as they are flying away, this angry guy is just yelling about a parking spot. So like, he wasn't a controller. He was just mad about, he just had a beef about parking and wanted to fucking tell someone about it. I don't know why he stayed there the whole fucking day, but it is what it is. Some people get, some <laughs> yeah. people get big mad like that. I don't know. So they go back home and Jake tells Tobias and Axe to like basically just like chill. He'll cover it. He doesn't need reinforcements. And then after dinner, Jake notices that Tobias is outside, like perched outside and has clearly ignored his instructions to go home. So Jake's like, well, fuck it. I'm going to go hang out with Tobias. And he goes and morphs Falcon and they fly around for a bit. They happen to spot Chapman and another man with a gun heading in their direction and Jake again panics, so he he frantically swoops down onto his own roof and just starts demorphing in full public. Like anybody that happened to look up would see that this bird is becoming a human. And he starts sliding down the roof and is dangling in front of his window. And he happens uh, not not in front of his window, sorry. He dangles in front of a window that Tom is by. Mm, okay. And the only reason he isn't spotted is because Tom is is facing the other direction and is on the phone. Oof. And he hears Tom say, which is like probably one of the most traumatic things that you can hear your brother saying on the phone, is my dad is outside. Take the shot. Ooh, good. Yep. Jake fortunately demorphs completely. And he like runs around the house and he like runs over to his dad and is like, hey, dad, uh, yeah, I see you were watering the lawn. I'll, I'll take care of that for you. I got it. Go ahead. Just like go back inside. And his dad is like, oh, that's thank you. All right. (laughs) See you later. And he sprays the car that is by that is like passing his house that like he can he knows the two people that are in it. He Mm -hmm. accidentally sprays the car with a hose and they continue on because they they, they see he's not out there. Mm -hmm. So Tobias the next day tells everybody, everybody what happened minus uh, Rachel and Axe because they're away watching. They're basically just like doing surveillance on Jake's house to make sure that like no fuck shit goes down no one's impressed with jake not only for freezing up in the parking lot but he's demorphing in plain sight and even cassie is like nah i can't i can't defend you here Mm -hmm. so marco just goes in at him he basically uh, just quote a quote from the book you're enjoying this aren't you well this is jake i glared at him you're enjoying this aren't you this is payback for when i doubted you over your mother marco i was ready to do what had to be done Jake, so am I. 
Marco. No, you're not. You endangered all of us. You demorphed on your roof, on your roof in daylight with your brother in the house. If Tom had seen you do that, you'd be head down in the Yerk pool right now, and the rest of us would be standing in line behind you. So Marco insists that they take a vote and that Jake is not in a position to make a good call. Cassie, through silence, sides with Marco, uh, which is kind of a surprise to Jake. Because remember, this is like from his perspective. This is like written from his perspective. Tobias diffuses the situation and is like, we need to come up with a plan that isn't just reacting to what's going on. And Jake is basically like, we can engage in kidnapping. We'll kidnap Chapman. And that will that will basically make it so that they don't have the time to focus on Tom's problem. Mm-hmm. Because obviously Chapman is a high-ranking York official. So that's his his thing. And that Axe is basically like given the point position of being the one to capture Chapman while Jake and Rhino morph, Rachel and Grizzly morph, Marco and Gorilla morph, and partially human morph Axe to make his human more unrecognizable, all barge into Chapman's house under the pretense that Axe is a friend of Melissa's. They bring down destruction with a near miss of Marco being shot, and they manage to nab Chapman in the end and smuggle him to a nearby house where they tie him up to begin the charade. So they basically have... They pulled it off, mm-hmm. although Marco basically almost gets severely injured in this. Great. The next morning, Jake is like, yo, what's up, Axe? And Axe is like, I hate this plan. This was a dumb plan. This is very dishonorable to be threatening torture. Like, this is, I, I don't like this. Then they deliberately leave behind some broken glass. They, they leave Chapman behind for him to escape. Back home, Jake tells the others that his family is planning to leave at noon, but they really leave in the next two hours. Uh, After all of the missteps on his own part, Jake has decided this is a problem for him to solve on his own. So basically, he's like, I'm just going to lie to the others so that I can fix this. This is this is my problem. I'm going to do it by myself. Obviously, uh, Tom is mad because he's in the car. His plan to infest his dad or kill his dad has failed. Mm -hmm. And they get up to the cabin. And they are reunited with Jake's mom and the other members of his family. Uh, Jake's dad fought, or grandpa fought in World War II. Tom makes a few insensitive comments about wars and sacrifice, which is kind of funny and ironic considering what is happening, that he's making insensitive comments about war. So he and Jake go up to the attic to look through some of their grandpa's things. And then Jake tries to get through to his brother, Tom. Uh, one last time, hoping to get a glimpse of him behind the Yerk's control. They discuss war and what parts honor and courage play in it. They discover some medals of honor and an old Nazi dagger that he had, basically, okay. that he retrieved. Mm-hmm. And Jake insists that Tom not take it, thinking that the Yerk would like to use it to kill his dad. Later that night, Jake has some PTSD dreams uh, about being in war. He's mm-hmm. like freezing while he's in the tent trenches. And he's just he's just like, I just want the fighting to be done. I just want like I want out in this dream. And then he wakes up and sees that Tom's bed is empty. He goes down. He goes outside after he sees that his dad is no longer asleep on the couch. Mm-hmm. And he sees that both his dad and Tom are sitting together on the dock on the lake. And he can see the dagger peeking out of the back of Tom's pants. And Jake is like, I, I'm going to, I'm going to morph tiger. I'm just going to do it. And he's like, I'm just going to have to kill Tom. This is, this is it. Cause I'm not going to lose my dad. So Oof. he can't finish the morph because he hears a loud crash and the dock collapses into the water. Both Tom and his dad go under. But what he finds strange is that his dad is a very good swimmer, but he is bobbing up and down in the water. Like he's not very good. 
and he's mm. being pulled mm-hmm. away from the dock somehow. Mm-hmm. Tom is trying to keep his eyes on his dad. A dolphin fin appears in the water and rams him in the back and leaving him to float face down in the lake. Jake hears one of the Anmorph's thoughts speaking to him to demorph that he's out in the open in a partial form. He's unable to get to Tom, who he's like, he must be drowning because he's literally face down in this water. But um, (laughs) Tom's body suddenly begins skimming across the water, being pushed from below. Jake grabs him and he coughs coming too, but his leg is broken very badly. In the end, Tom is taken on a medical helicopter all the way back to their hometown. And Jake goes out into the woods and meets up with his friends who explain how they did it. So this is like the best case scenario because Tom can go back you know, home to to be in a hospital where I'm sure the controllers will get to him and help his yerk out, et cetera, et cetera. And then obviously Jake's parents both stay alive. But they explained that Tobias watched the house and notified the rest of the Animorphs when Tom and Jake's dad left. Uh, Cassie was in whale morph. She dragged herself through the shallows and rammed the docks. She was just a whale in a fucking lake. <laughs> Rachel and Axe were dolphins, broke Tom's leg, and then dragged his father to safety. And then Jake asks where Marco is. Cassie says that he's hanging back, unsure on how happy Jake would see be to see him. And he comes out and Jake is like, this must have all been your plan, which Marco says that he agrees. Uh, and he says that there's one more component to that is that he got the Chi to help out. The Chi were the people in the helicopter that were insisted that, that Tom gets flown back to the hometown. So Jake admits at this point that he was too close. That he should have seen the solution of injuring Tom sooner. And he takes Marco aside and thanks him for what he's done. And he hesitates and then asks what the plan was going to be if Tom hadn't made himself vulnerable. Marco is silent, but Jake pushes and saying that like, Marco had to preserve the safety of the group and keep Jake alive. And then he cools. Uh, but Bar- Marco basically is like, listen, dude, if Tom killed your dad, you would have killed your your brother. And then that would have exposed everything. Yeah. And the only expendable piece of that was Tom. He doesn't finish his thought. But like Jake is like, I, I didn't want to know anyway. Like, I really didn't want to know. Like mm-hmm. basically implying that like Tom is the one that that could have been lost in all of this, that like his dad and his mom and Jake himself were not on the table. So back home after after like the funeral and everything, he looks back at his grandpa's medals and and and, and uh is like they they've been stored away in the attic and they're not on display, but Jake now understands that like living it is once enough without having to be reminded constantly. He he decides that if he's ever awarded any medals for the war for the Yerks that he was just, he's going to find a box and put them in there in his attic. He doesn't want to see them. Yeah. And that's the book. You know, Rachel doesn't do a whole lot in this book. It's mostly about Tom. It's mostly about Jake. And it's mostly about Marco. Mm-hmm. You know, it it obviously shows that there's going to be a little bit of a. I don't want to see a schism or a rift because, like, I don't think this like really affects anything like too hard in the mm-hmm. in the upcoming future between Jake and Cassie. But like it shows that, like even though that there's there is probably a quite human love for for each other as far as they're concerned like it's not to the point where like Cassie can't see the forest for the trees yeah so she's not and, following blindly right right and it and it does show that like this war is affecting the other animorphs hard as well yeah marco included because marco is like the mvp on this like he you know, comes up with this great plan that like like you would expect from someone like Jake, but because Jake can't really focus and can't think because it's it's something that is way too close to him. It's like, 
yo, you, you, he comes up with this and it shows like the growth in, 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 in a turning point in Marco's character, I would say. So especially that last bit about like Tom was the expendable piece. Like if, if Tom would have killed your dad, you would have killed Tom and that would have just started a whole nasty, you know, yeah. thing. So, uh, <laughs> there is a moment that, that I do want to highlight because I did say that Rachel doesn't do a whole lot, but she does do something. And during that conversation where Tobias is kind of like, I don't understand what it is like to have like good family dynamics. Uh-huh. Rachel, basically snaps at uh tobias because the way that he kind of frames it is like he doesn't get it and then like he is like well my family didn't really care about me and rachel's like your relatives are jerks and they didn't deserve you like she just like just snaps that off and he kind of just is like uh um (laughs) just kind of doesn't say much after that that. yeah and it does show a little bit of like the actual like the, the care that rachel has for Tobias beyond like you know the fact that they're just like essentially just like soldiers together um mm-hmm. it shows that they, they really care about each other in that kind of way yeah so yeah what do you think war is hell <laughs> yeah it's it's super is it's traumatic and awful and yep That's, it's it's yep. like what's very interesting to me is that like you know K.A. Applegate and her ghostwriters, I think all of her ghostwriters, like, shout out to every single one of them, honestly, because, like, reading these books, you could, I don't think you could tell much that, like, it was a ghostwritten situation. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can, maybe, maybe if I go through them, like, one after another, like, now in this age, not only being older, but, like, knowing that some of them are ghostwritten, I might mm-hmm. be able to go, okay, well, this is kind of, like, not really how K.A. wrote, like, the old the earlier one so maybe i could see it but like they do a great job of following ka's outline and like helping you understand like who these characters are and how they interact with each other and just like the stakes of not only their relationships but like the world as a whole Mm -hmm. and that like I mean, if there's a if there's a counter that was like behind my head when we did these Animorphs episodes of how 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 many times things got like a fucking inch away from just all hell breaking loose, Mm -hmm. I'd say it's probably going to be in the triple digits. And Mm -hmm. yet it's still such a compare compelling series, you know, Mm -hmm. so I'll let you give more thoughts. I don't know. It just. What a tough situation. And again, they're like fucking teenagers. <laughs> Not that most soldiers aren't very young either, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. That just yeah. The brother and the dad and feeling like you have to choose and just breaks my heart. Yeah. And yeah, war is hell, man. All right. Well, with that being said, we're going to jump to one of my favorite books in this series. And this book has the rare distinction of being the only numerical book between number 26 and number 53 that is not ghostwritten. Oh. This is the Katie only one between those. She found some time in her schedule for this one that was actually published in July of 1999. And it is called The Separation. And it is a on the cover is Rachel 
sitting in a black and orange one-piece swimsuit. She's got a nice little curtain of hair, no bangs in the front. And she begins to turn into a starfish. Complete with her little head getting kind of like cone-heady and stuff. Her hair in the second image is looks real funny because it looks very much like like a 50s beehive, but then it's also got like the curtains down on the side uh, as she becomes become a starfish. Uh, and her arms go from being crossed to obviously like splaying out as she becomes a starfish. So I would read the book description for this one, but I won't because like the, the previous one, I think it gives away too much. Okay. So it starts with, uh, and this is obviously, this is, uh, goes through, uh, sorry, this is narrated by Rachel. And this is the one that is supernatural anamorphs fuckery, uh, as I alluded to. It starts with Rachel out on a field trip and she's out in the ocean and she drops a piece of jewelry and is like, oh, uh, whoops. And she happens to see a starfish that is nearby. Mm-hmm. And so she morphs the starfish just okay. for fun, just for fun. Mm-hmm. And then, (laughs) hold on to your fucking butt. Uh, (laughs) As she is just chilling in the ocean as a starfish, Mm -hmm. some fucking kid with a shovel cuts her in half. Uh... Just, 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 just split, just spade. Splits this fucking starfish clean in half. And Yikes. That's a bad time. Yeah. From here, the book splits. Ooh. Between two Rachels, a nice Rachel, and a mean Rachel. Dun dun dun. So they obviously demorph. Mm-hmm. And now we have two Rachels. So mm-hmm. mean Rachel decides to go meet up with Tobias and go flying because that was the whole of Rachel's plan in the beginning was to after this field trip was to just going to hang out with Tobias. Mm-hmm. Tobias is m- immediately tipped off when she starts to hunt in the middle of this flight. Just like just goes and, and, and eats some prey while they're on this trip. Cassie, meanwhile, is hanging out with nice Rachel and is also immediately tipped off because she thinks, number one, wait a second, I, rem- I was there when you said you were going to hang out with Tobias after, your- after the field trip. Mm-hmm. And number two, after having a, like a bit of a spat with the customer at the mall, Rachel immediately flees crying. And Cassie's like, hold up. <laughs> that has only happened in my dreams. And, and that was only once. No, I'm just, I made that part up. <laughs> But, like, just to see, like, Rachel, who has, like, gone through all of this crazy shit with, like, the just glee of, a like, a man riding a bomb from fucking Dr. Strangelove, just crying from a customer being mad is wild. So, back at the barn, Cassie lets the rest of the group know that something is up and that Rachel is being weird. Mm-hmm. And that is when mean Rachel strides in and is like, let's kick some yerk butt. Let's do it. I want to do it right this second. And nice Rachel is is also there and they do the Spider-Man pointing at each other meme, except <laughs> one of them does so very timidly and the other one is very aggressive about it. <laughs> <laughs> so through their story, through the, the two Rachel's stories, they piece together what happened that the starfish's DNA allowed Rachel to demorph into two separate people, splitting her personality. The, 
and of course, because this isn't the only bad thing that happens on an, in, you know, in an Animorphs adventure, mm-hmm. Eric the Chi strolls into the meeting is like, hey, y'all, who wants some terrible news? <laughs> <laughs> the Yerks are messing around with an anti-morphing ray gun. So basically the idea is, is if it hits you, you start to demorph and you can't control it. So they're like, well, that is indeed terrible news, Eric. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. We were already (laughs) having a terrible time figuring out what we were going to do with two fucking Rachels. Mm -hmm. But now we have to deal with that as well. So uh, Jake is like, Rachels, go home, both of you, (laughs) and we'll figure (laughs) it out. Just sit this one out. Take a knee until we figure this out. (laughs) Both of you take a knee. One of you can do the left. One of you can do the right. So that way you're kind of like mirroring each other. I don't know. At some point, they start referring to nice Rachel as wimpy Rachel. But I'm going to keep it nice Rachel. But mean Rachel is like, fuck all of this and the horses that it rode in on. I'm going to (laughs) go along. So she's like going to go back. She basically tries to get back into the fight. She finds them. And she commandeers a fucking truck, like a literal actual truck, and just starts ramming through walls and shit. Like, <laughs> Okay. And she's getting into fights with Hork-Bajir, like she does not give a fuck. So naturally, because Mean Rachel doesn't have a fucking filter, even mm. more so than normal Rachel would, she foils the plan to get... to destroy the gun but she does succeed in her plan to help them have some sort of way to get out of this situation so like that's it's like the 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 good part is is that they they because of rachel's just being absolutely nuts they are able to get out of the situation but they get out of the situation without having accomplished the goal which was to destroy the gun meanwhile nice rachel doesn't know what to do with herself so she decides to give her dad a call for comfort who like her dad obviously does not know what the situation is so he's very confused by his daughter acting very timid and like like unsure of herself uh-huh. so he's just very kind of confused by that mm-hmm. but she's like uh they basically um arrange to meet with him at the airport and confess she's gonna tell him everything the like the animorphs the yerk invasion she's just like i don't know what to do she's like she's like too timid like she's like so scared that she's just gonna give up the ghost to her dad and just tell him everything Mm -hmm. so meanwhile mean rachel comes back and is like those fucking jerks didn't appreciate my heroics and shit i (laughs) saved all their asses even though she like ruined shit Mm -hmm. Uh, and then she kicks nice Rachel off the bed and it's like, you sleep on the floor, weakling. Like, and so cry like nice Rachel cries and goes to sleep the next day. Nice Rachel goes to school because mean Rachel is not likely. Obviously, she's mean Rachel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it meets up with Marco and Cassie and who test her to see if they can figure out like what aspects of the original Rachel she got you know like mm-hmm. mean rachel like i said doesn't go to school and she morphs she morphs well she doesn't she goes to the school but not as herself she morphs into a fly to spy on them okay and then they meet up at the barn at the end of the day acts is like i may have a plan to put her together again but it could uh kill her <laughs> so it's either she's either one or none Cassie is very much against it, but Marco is like, listen, the current situation is not working well because Mean Rachel is, the book's words, not mine, too psychotic to be left running around. (laughs) Which, like, 
she's there in fly morph so she demorphs and is like what the fuck did you say about me (laughs) (laughs) and then she grabs tobias and threatens to strangle him if the team doesn't agree that she should now be the leader I have to stop and laugh because I just want you to get this picture of mean Rachel just dropping from the ceiling, demorphing from a fly, mm-hmm. snatching up fucking Tobias like he's a chicken in a cartoon and just holding his neck and is like, I should be the leader to make me the leader or I'll fucking snap his neck. And then Jake just like slides up to her and is like, hey, Rachel, you're being kind of pow, just like pops her in the face. <laughs> He straight up punched like that's not an exaggerated. He straight up just like slides up to her and then is like just start, starts talking and then punches her right in the face. And while she's stunned, Axe is like gonna make my tail blade flat. Pow! Knocks her in the face and she's out. Like just one two just tail blade and punch combo. <laughs> mean Rachel Kaya. <laughs> Wimpy Rachel shows up in the middle of this and just starts crying in hysterics at, at, at what she's witnessing. Later on, Mean Rachel wakes up and she's like, fucking jerks, I'm going home, so mad. Uh, And she, like, starts going home and she's like, I'm going to plan, I'm going to plan a way to get rid of, what was I doing? (laughs) Like, and she's just like, I can't think properly. And it's, like, implied that it's not a concussion from her getting, like, a two-piece combo from her friends. (laughs) But, like... Like, the part of her brain that, like, can help her, like, think and form, like, rational thoughts is not with her. It's with the other one. Mm -hmm. Or it's, like, split to the point that, like, she can't use it. So she goes home and she sees the note that nice Rachel left to remind herself to meet her dad at the airport. So she's like, well, I may not I may have, like, a hard time thinking, but that sounds like a dumb thing. So she goes to the airport to meet her dad at the restaurant. Rachel is already there and nice Rachel is already there and is trying to figure out if her dad is a controller or not while she's having a conversation with him. And before she can like tell her dad everything, mean Rachel figures out a way to like get her away from him and then tell her to go home. Like, it's like, you get out of here right now. And then mean Rachel takes nice Rachel's place and is very rude to her dad and the staff. Nice Rachel hasn't quite left yet. So mean Rachel starts a food fight. To basically to basically force nice Rachel to go home. And then her dad is like, I got to go. I got to get back. I got to go on a flight. Like, I'm out of here. Like, this is this is bizarre. My daughter's being real fucking weird. Back at the barn, everyone minus the two Rachels are like, we still have this whole anti-morphing gun situation we have to deal with. The Yerks, obviously, because of the failure that nice Rachel uh, put on them now know that the Andalite bandits slash Animorphs know about the gun. So they're like, they're going to obviously put more, they're going to be, shit's going to be beefier Mm -hmm. as far as security is going to go. So they've arranged for three trucks to transport the Ray. So the team has to split up. The Rachel show up and Cassie's like, nice, Rachel, we need you to be here. Mean Rachel demorphs and is like, I'm coming along because again, she's spying on them. And it's very clear at this point that the team does not trust either of them and had been following them when they went, they both went to the airport because they were like, y'all are a problem. So Axe, <laughs> Axe goes, you know that, you know, Rachel, uh, when I, when I hit you in the face uh, to knock you out um, and he does it again. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm obviously like, you know, speaking out of out of character for Axe, but I just think it's so funny that he basically is just like, you didn't learn your lesson the first time, so I'm going to knock you out again. Mm-hmm. And so he does that. And Jake invokes Rachel's sense of duty, which works on nice Rachel to get her to come along. Okay. And he's like, you can be with me so that way you don't have to be scared like or anything like that. Mm-hmm. During the mission, Jake has to basically continuously threaten and, and, and basically like walk nice Rachel through every morph because she's too scared to do most anything. And then after an exciting car chase, Jake and Rachel morph roaches as the truck they're riding in enters a building. They're they they are uh, <laughs> they're gassed, however, and knocked out. They're knocked out by gas. It turns out, however, that mean Rachel woke up faster than last time and morphed into an owl and followed them. So she's in the same building. So nice Rachel and Jake are captured while Jake tries valiantly to keep wimpy Rachel calm. She ends up breaking and calling out to the Yerks that she'll be she'll do anything to be let go. Like basically he's just going to give up everything. So Mean Rachel morphs Hork Bajir and just walks into the room where Jake and Nice Rachel are. And she attacks the Hork Bajir, but and and as she takes them down, a wall slides open and it's like, Congratulations, you've won a fight with more Hork Bajir. <laughs> <laughs> and as a bonus, Visser 3. <laughs> so Visser 3 is there. The, the, the remaining controllers retreat. And Visser 3 orders the door to slam, and he turns on a machine that basically does the whole, like, Star Wars trash compactor bit. Mm -hmm. It it brings the walls of the room in, and it's like, listen, you give yourselves up, or you're going to be crushed. So, during this whole thing, the box that they had, that, that nice Rachel and Jake were in gets broken, so they get out and demorph. They don't see Jake. Nice Rachel doesn't see Jake or Mean Rachel. And Mean Rachel comments that, you know, she may have stepped on him during the fight. Nice Rachel can see a plan for escape, but she needs Mean Rachel's bravery to carry it out, basically. Okay. So Nice Rachel morphs a Hork Bajir and calls out to Visser 3, threatening to cut her own throat rather to be infested. And then the door opens and (laughs) I guess Mean Rachel swoops towards Visser 3. I guess at some point she demorphed and then remorphed into a fly and is basically like, yo, you free us or I'm going to start demorphing in your head, which uh, I hear would be quite fatal uh, for you. That sounds awful. And she says, like, it'll kill us both, actually. And Visser 3 is mad, mad that he's been played so well. And he's like, fine, I'll let you go because I don't want you to fucking demorph in my head. That sucks. <laughs> that idea, I hate it. And he's like, the next time, I'll just kill you. Like, I won't be so nice. I'll just kill you all next time. So Jake demorphs and is like, so, yeah, you did actually you did actually step on me. And I did almost die. But I was able to basically like ride nice rachel's back to for the journey out and he's like this experience basically teaches y'all that you need each other Mm -hmm. because nice rachel has the ability to think ahead and plan but Mm -hmm. mean rachel has the ability and the bravery to act on those things Mm -hmm. so they uh, go to the barn and are like well this is we have to we have to do some sort of like process to merge them back together so the the way that they describe this is they they basically stand with their hands on each other's shoulders and they acquire each other and then they morph one another while Eric is jolting them with electricity. 
Oh, wow. Okay. And it works. And she ends up basically going forward with the knowledge that she is made up of extremes. But she's obviously very shaken up by the fact that, like, she just went from being, like, two people and back into one person again. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she ever morphs a starfish again. <laughs> Yikes. But I thought that was a very cool book in that, like, when she gets split, she literally, like, the book literally, no, not literally, because it doesn't, like, it doesn't come apart in your hands or anything. But, like, mm-hmm. the book then starts with two narratives of the same person. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just very, very unique. And so, to me, I thought that this was very cool that, like, K.A. was like, I have this great I- fucking idea. I'm going to write this one. I got this one. <laughs> this is going to be cool as shit. <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, obviously, Rachel is, is you know, the biggest part of this book mm-hmm. uh, with Tobias, Jake. Uh, and then Marco's not really, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm. But there is a joke. There is a joke where Marco, when they're split, Marco overhears nice Rachel admitting to Cassie that like she could be into Marco. Oh, uh huh. And she was like, "Well, Tobias, you could have mean Rachel, and I can get <laughs> nice Rachel." But then, <laughs> one of the rare criticisms I have to throw at Ka Applegate, this happens. Nice Rachel says jake was there he's my cousin he's cute kind of big i mean if we weren't cousins and i was like ma'am ma'am madam 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 can we not go that far (laughs) yeah that's weird no no um so yeah that that is that is the separation because it literally separates rachel Mm -hmm. and figuratively separates the book and it is i think comprehensively of just a fun time overall yeah that's a really cool concept first when you said it splits i thought it was gonna be like two narratives like two timelines oh yeah that would be interesting yeah, not that not that far into the animal fuckery, but I could see how you could go that way. That yeah, because like I can think of like a lot of that. That's a trope that gets used occasionally. Maybe not a trope, mm-hmm. but it is a plot device or something that does get used. So that's what I thought you meant at first, but it makes sense. Yeah, I mean to be honest, like lucky that she had morphed into a starfish because like. I think starfish are like if something gets broken off, it just grows back, right? Yes, exactly. So that's kind of like why it happens. Whereas if she was like, you know, a beetle and got cut in half by a shovel, she'd just be dead. <laughs> she would maybe have like a little bit of time to try and and you know demorph, hmm. but yeah, because like yeah. It, it honestly depends on because like J- Jake gets stepped on, so he gets like crushed, but he manages to demorph in time, oh, and he's right. been and he's been swatted before in previous like as a fly, like he got swatted in a book, and was able to like just like be talked out of walking away from the light, so to speak. Gotcha. One of the other things that I wanted to point out that I thought was just very very funny is that like. It, once again, Visser 3 does not learn his fucking lesson and he mm. decides that he's going to monologue instead <laughs> of just killing the Animorphs like he should fucking do. And so for that, Humans for me and Rachel... always feel the need to explain themselves and that is such an ADHD thing. <laughs> yeah. 
So when you said like tropes, I was like, Visser 3 in some ways is very much a trope of his own. And that he just like can't fucking help himself, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, so it was just like a very funny bit where she, he's just like mad that like, he got played by mean Rachel, who was like, I'll just demorph in your head, motherfucker. You wanna mm-hmm. you wanna gamble? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm literally in your head right now. Cause they got those big analyte ears and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this line I think you will find funny. This is a mean Rachel quote. After she loses her arm in Grizzly Bear Morph, she goes, So you know what I do? I reach down, I pick it up and use it like a club to beat him over the head. <laughs> Alrighty then. And then here's another quote that I think you'll be fu- find funny. This is Marco saying to Rachel's, uh, do you, Dr. Jekyll, take Miss Hyde to have and to hold? And mean Rachel says, shut up, Marco. You're already on my list. <laughs> <laughs> you just made oh the God, list. I love it. So, yeah, I, I I say give that book really a good, good read, honestly, if you have any interest in Animorphs, because I don't know. I, I, I don't I, I guess like not to say that I have like a bad like I'm, I'm not good at like re- recanting these this stuff but like i i think giving that book will really kind of give you a good view of the way that ka did it so i highly recommend you give that one a read as well as the um as the david trilogy like i think that one also is one that like to really get to get to see like how hard it is for these animorphs to to basically be forced to trust this new kid Mm -hmm. who just got lucky and then find out that he's a huge piece of shit Mm -hmm. and now they have to fight a war on two fronts it's like so hard for these child soldiers to have to go through you know like Mm -hmm. but yeah any any lingering thoughts or anything that you wanted to comment on on that i don't think so just enjoying the ride as always Awesome. I think we may just for the sake of like kind of getting through these, I think we may I may try and throw like Animorphs at you at a more frequent pace Mm -hmm. because I would like to, you know, before like this time next year, I hope to be done done with the series as a whole. But like, we'll see what happens, I guess. So, yeah, if y'all have any thoughts on that, you know, either hit myself or hit uh, Amelia, not physically. We mean like communicative communication wise. Yes. A-S-W-A-Y-D-P-O-D on Instagram or at gmail.com. And you can also make up a theme song for it because this is Amelia. What the fuck is this? This is the part of the episode where I find something wild and crazy kids on the internet and I show it to Amelia with almost no context whatsoever. There is, there is, there are captions on this one that are like the the videos kind of like long, like long wise, like vertically. So just know that there may be some captions that you might want to keep an eye out for. It may take a a watch or two, but anyway, enjoy. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a smeared off ice? Yeah, okay. So it's this woman holding a mostly empty bottle of uh, smeared off ice, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and says something about getting ripped. <laughs> and then starts stalking like Dora the Explorer. <laughs> and says, that's I'm drunk in Spanish. <laughs> but... I'm not sure what my favorite part is. I think the captions might be my favorite part, though, because a couple times she stops and laughs. Uh-huh. And the captions uh, indicate what the noise sounds like. 
Vex bottle laugh. <laughs> but I also particularly love the tea kettle is ready. Because, <laughs> yeah, she's cracking herself up. And it's really funny. <laughs> oh, man. Smeared off my Her fucking little <laughs> dance, too. What? Her little dance, too, while she's doing it. Oh, I know. I know. It's really, yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> okay. So... I love that, like, as this goes on, I do give you more and more context just after the fact. Mm-hmm. So the fi- the file I had to disguise because otherwise it just says, like, Dora the Explorer in it. And I was mm-hmm. like, I can't just have it say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'll give too much away. Yeah. But this particular TikToker is semi-famous for doing these Dora the Explorer bits. Okay. So I have several of them in the chamber just mysteriously waiting for you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit of a running gag, shall we say. Okay. So there's that. All righty. Well, you can find Amelia on Instagram and on Facebook at Fuck the Perfect Life or on Instagram at Shake Meets World. Uh, I don't know if you have a website yet, but I feel like that's probably coming, no? I do. I mean, I do oh, you do? my business. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fuck, at fucktheperfectlife.com or fftheperfectlife.com. Yes. Yeah, there you go. And then I am uh, at ablacksparrow.com. Or not, not a don't put like the at symbol in there, but ablacksparrow.com or sherrickrobinson.com. They both go literally to the same place. Um, one of them is just a mirror, it just redirects you. Or I, I try to be a little bit more active on Blue Sky. So, uh, ablacksparrow.bsky.social. I'm also on things like Spill and Hive and Tribal, but you know, I probably don't post there. So, I mean, if you want to be friends with me on those, you can. I just said a whole bunch of, I just said like at least three social medias that Amelia is unfamiliar with. Yep. 100%. <laughs> I was just listening to a different podcast where somebody, mm-hmm. it, it was like at the end or they're like, yeah. oh, where the, they were asking the guest, you know, like, where can we find you or whatever? And they were talking about like, oh, I, I use Instagram. I've dabbled in other stuff, but I don't really use anything else. And one of the people on the podcast was like, Dab- dabbled? Is that something now? What the fuck is this now? <laughs> and they were That'd like, no, funny. no. Using Not that one, the no. verb dabbled. <laughs> to dabble. And I yeah, was like, Mast- it me. <laughs> Mastodon is one too. Threads is also one. I'm not on Mastodon, but I am on Threads because it's it was super easy to sign up because, you know, it's just in- it's like Instagram, yeah. basically. And I know that, like, depending on where you go, like, there's stuff that gets taken from you as far as, like, your fucking biometric data or whatever. And it's like, well, I, I don't know what to say about that other than, like, it's everywhere. So, mm-hmm. like, you, I guess you pick and choose what you want to be out there or what have you. But, yeah, I guess that is all we have for you. So sorry if we talked too long. Yeah, it looks like we might have hit the limit on your voicemail again. Yep. So next next week we'll call you and we'll play a lovely game called New COVID Strain or White People Baby Name. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>